Well, good morning or good evening, whenever it is you're watching this. We are beginning our Christmas season, yes, on November the 29th. Isn't that cool? Hey, I got my only red and green shirt that I own, sort of Christmassy. It's got Sasquatch on it. You ever seen anything like that? My wife bought this, and I get a lot of comments when I wear it. But uh, we're so glad you're joining us for uh, this online worship service this morning. Listen, have you ever wondered why Matthew didn't just jump into the Christmas story? Well, listen, today we're going to begin this series called Misfits. And uh, it's, a, it's a great series of sermons about how God uses all kinds of people in his, in his mission. Today we're going to talk about the family tree because we all have some misfits hanging from the branches of our family tree. In fact, uh, some really bad fruit sometimes. Uh, and before Jesus got into our lives, we may have been that misfit fruit hanging from the family tree. You know, we're blessed as God's people because we have four accounts of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they each one add their own personal uh, uh, thoughts and things to their, the inspiration the Holy Spirit has given them. And they live with Jesus, so they're telling his story on, while he lived on earth. And if you didn't know this, in ancient times, rich people, maybe kings and potentates and, and governors and, and princes, they would hire people to write their story or their history. And if you read some of those, there's always gaps there. Because since they paid them to write their history, these gaps are places where they really had some bad stuff going on and they were... They were misfits, and so they left the bad parts out so that when people read it in the future, they would look really good. And, uh, and so maybe a little bit of that happens, but Matthew doesn't do that. That's not what his uh, issue is. So you ask this question again. Why did Matthew begin the life of Jesus with the genealogy of Jesus, talking about his family tree, his bloodline? Why did he do that? I mean, he doesn't begin with Mary and Joseph and the birth of Jesus and Bethlehem and angels and all that jazz. He just starts with the genealogy. And when you open this, uh, he begins like this. He says, the record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Sarah, uh, whose mother was Tamar. Remember that name. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. And Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Solomon. Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Ruth. Remember that name. And uh, Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abinadab. Abinadab, the father of Asa. And Asa, the father, and on and on. He goes into the genealogy of Jesus. All of this bloodline. But there's an interesting thing here. Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth. He mentions four women in this genealogy. And, and the interesting thing is 
David was the father of Solomon whose mother had been the wife of Uriah. He would not even mention her name. Now we know that the name of that woman is Bathsheba, if we know anything about the scriptures in David's life. So Matthew would not put her name in the genealogy. And, but, but why would he mention these four women? Matthew goes out of his way to mention four women who were misfits, basically. Two of them of a mixed bloodline. And, and that's interesting in the Jewish bloodline because the Jews always want to talk about their bloodline all the way through the, the history of God's dealing with that nation. So why four misfits? Well, Solomon, whose mother was the wife of Uriah, the woman Bathsheba, the affair, the lies that were told, the murder, the baby of the affair that dies. See, this is King David's big misfit scar in his life. So why do you think that Matthew mentions these four women? Well, Matthew knew something. As he wrote this, he already had discovered something. He discovered that sin was the number one issue. And so he mentions four women, four misfits. Now, he can mention a lot of men down through that genealogy also. In fact, we've already mentioned David was a misfit. So Jesus came to save sinners, and that's the message of Christmas, guys. Uh, when you move into Jesus' life in Matthew 9, it begins by talking about Jesus stepping out of, a, out of the boat in his own home uh, town. And it begins by saying Jesus stepped into a, a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Now why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Jesus asked him. Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Get up, take your mat, and go home. And the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they, and they praised God who had given such authority to men. Listen, this story, Jesus, Jesus gets in a boat and he comes to the other side and he tells this man, take heart, your sins are forgiven. And, and to prove that he is a son of God, he tells this man to take your bed and walk and he does that. In verse 9, we start where Jesus meets a misfit. And Jesus walks up to the table where Matthew is. And here's how it reads. As Jesus went on from there, from healing the paralytic, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Very interesting. What do you think the other guys that Jesus had called were thinking? They were probably thinking, What? Jesus, you want this sinner 
See, tax collectors were in the same category as murderers and prostitutes and thieves and all these people who were sinners. They, in fact, called them sinners. You remember the story of Zacchaeus? He was a tax collector. And the people did not like these guys. You see, they were hired by the Roman government to, to collect taxes. And the Roman government did not care how much more money they got from people as long as the Roman government got their share. And so the, most of the tax collectors were dishonest. They extorted money from people. So these people were not highly thought of. They were sinners and misfits in their culture. But Jesus told Matthew, follow me. And these guys probably with him said, no. And Jesus said, not only do I want you to follow me, Matthew, we are going to your house to eat. And we're going to eat with whoever's in your home. Uh, when you look at verse 12, it gets very interesting uh, because here's what we read. On hearing this, and, and, and I'll uh, tell you what that means. When Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? See that attitude? Oh, here, oh, here, on hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and, and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You see, Jesus brings out something important here. He says, I came to save sinners. I didn't come for, for people who were well. I came for people who were sick. And see... Because they are a part of Matthew's story, Matthew mentions Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba in the genealogy. These women are a part of Matthew's heritage. And I say that because of this. Matthew is also a misfit. Until Jesus forgives him and his sin is gone, he is a misfit. Jesus says in 13, remember, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Lest we forget, the most devastating pandemic for the human race is not COVID-19, guys. It's sin. It's sin. That is our biggest pandemic. You know, there's recently some companies that are coming up with a vaccine for COVID-19. In fact, they're talking about this month, the month of Christmas coming up, December, they may even start administering these vaccines to people because they seem to be so effective. Christmas is about God's loving vaccine to all of mankind. Well, what's that vaccine? It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus came to save sinners. And if sin is our biggest problem, guys, then we need to have Jesus in our lives. Not according to man's prescription, not at all, but the one written in the blood of Jesus Christ. See, God restores misfits. He heals, He repairs, He gives a fresh start. Jesus gives the misfits a place, a purpose in God's family, in God's family tree. Now we are a part of that family tree if we belong to Jesus, if we've taken the vaccine. Jesus, when obeyed, is a total cure of our sinful ways. And isn't that cool? 
If you go back in the beginning of the church and read in Acts 2.37 and 2.38, Peter told the people that day what they must do to receive the vaccine called Jesus. He says, you need to repent and be baptized. Remove your sins and then have the Holy Spirit to come live in your life. That's a great vaccine. That will take us all the way through to eternity, guys. And that's what God wants. You see, life's about good choices. And here's the choice you have this Christmas season. I can stay a misfit or I can take the vaccine called Jesus. Christmas celebration is about God's reaching into our sin life and applying Jesus as the cure. Some people, I don't know if I'm going to take that COVID vaccine. We'll all have to make that choice at that time. When it's available, a lot of people will refuse to take it. They don't take vaccines now because they don't trust them. But here's the thing I want to leave with you today. If you're a misfit right now and you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, you have not accepted God's cure, the vaccine that can remove your sins, listen, no one should refuse God's Jesus vaccine. Because when we do, we put ourselves in jeopardy for eternity. This Christmas season, think about the fact that you can stay a misfit or you can accept Jesus. You can allow Jesus to remove your sins and then you have a, a, a way to live that's abundant and eternal. And I would encourage you, I would encourage you to accept Jesus into your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that you sent Jesus when we read through the pages of the Bible, we see so many people that had so much sin in their lives and we identify with that. Lord, thank you for this story that Matthew wrote, this uh, genealogy that he put in here, these four women that, that uh, had some shady things going on in their lives at times, but even were mixed race, Lord. And we ask that you would help us to accept your vaccine and to become uh, people who are disciples of Jesus Christ who will follow Him every day. It's in His name that we pray. Amen.